Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest expert, Dr. Andrea Maxim. She is one of Southern Ontario's leading naturopathic doctors and the creator of the Maxim Movement, a movement helping people move towards maximizing their digestion, their hormones, their weight loss, and of course, maximizing their health. Following the foundational needs of the body, Dr. Maxim offers a stepwise program of removing triggers such as food sensitivities, heavy metals, stress, environmental toxins, detoxing the body, and then flooding the body with nutrients to get it functioning and healing properly. To support her vision, Andrea wrote her first book, Maximized Health, The New Intelligent System for Optimal Digestion and Hormones. And she is sharing so much goodness on today's podcast. We talk about food sensitivities and how this can be really helpful for balancing hormones. We talk about skincare and topical treatments and microdermabrasion and the importance of getting off that dead top layer of skin, and we dive into all things stress, sleep, and herbs. You are going to love the information she shared, and she shares so many great tips that you can implement right away today to better optimize your health and your hormones. So with that said, let's dive in. Welcome, Dr. Andrea Maxim, to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited you're here. You are actually my second interview, but you're going to be the first interview posted for the podcast. Wow. Well, that's exciting for me. I hope I crush it so then people will just want to continue to listen. Yes, totally. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. So I'd love for you to start off by telling our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I'm a naturopathic doctor just south of Toronto, Ontario. And really how I got into the field, because everybody likes to know the background story, like what brought you into naturopathic medicine? I think I've always had like a healing touch to me. If I get really spiritual, people have told me that I have spirit guides that are in the healing field, like my great, great, great aunt was a nurse back in World War, whatever it was, like one or two. Anyway, so when I was like five years old, I knew I was going to be a doctor. I knew that that was my calling. I never wavered from that. There was no other career choice that I had in my brain. It was just, this is what I was meant to do. But I didn't know that naturopathic medicine was a viable option as a career until I was pretty much done university. So I was in my last year of university And I was just like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I realized that conventional medicine didn't suit me, nor did I want to go through all the competition to become a med student and all those other things. So I said, well, if I don't want to work that hard, I obviously don't want it that bad. So I was just Googling one day and there was naturopathic medicine. And I don't have like a health history or a health story that brought me into this field. I know a lot of people say my 
family members were treated by a naturopath and that's what inspired me or I had a health condition. For me, it was just more the connection piece that I get to provide with my patients and sit across from them and get to know them for a minimum of like a half an hour to an hour's time. And we get to create more of a therapeutic relationship as well as really dive deep into what some of their root cause issues are. And when I see these transformations happening in my practice, and please understand, like in my practice, I do not do any fancy IV therapy. I don't do massive big protocols. I stick very, very much to foundational elements and ways of treating and people are still getting like phenomenal results. So it just reaffirms that I'm definitely doing the right thing. And for me, health and wellness has always been something that I kind of self-ingrained into my lifestyle right around when I entered high school because I lost about 40 pounds from grade eight to grade nine all on my own. And, you know, that really stuck and connected with me. So I always have like a little bit of that ugly duckling syndrome. So when patients are coming in to see me about their struggles with weight loss or issues with skin or troubles with hormones, I can almost go way back to when I was there and remember what that felt like and really connect with my patients that way too. So that's really kind of what brought me to where I am now. And now I'm just really like honing in on the skills and really saying, okay, if hormones are your issue, it's so easy to want to treat like the symptoms. But in my practice, I've consistently seen that there's some deeper things that have to be taken care of first. So that's why I'm thrilled to be here today. So we can talk about that with your audience. Yes. I'm so excited. I know there's so much goodness you've got in store for us today. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of hormonal imbalances, obviously that can mean a lot of things. So what are some of the hormonal conditions that you work with most in your practice? The biggest one that I find the most undetected is thyroid. So background thyroid issues. But quite frankly, when it comes to hormones, it's usually just issues going on with the menstrual cycle. So really heavy bleeds, a lot of cramping. Some of my patients have PMDD. So People are coming in with a lot of those conditions and it's amazing how supporting the body helps to treat a lot of those issues as well. Like estrogen dominance is also something, a big thing that I scan for. So I don't get a lot of like diagnoses coming into my office. I get a lot of these symptom pictures and then I just say, okay, at least this is what we need to rule out. This is what we need to start treating. Awesome. So in terms of treating and supporting our hormones, what would you say is the first step we can take? And that's probably a really broad question because there's... It is, but I'm sure people have heard this before, but everything stems down to your digestive system. And the reason why your hormones are sort of a neighboring system to your gut. So even when we're talking about menstrual issues and cycle problems, well, what is the next organ system that's right on top of the uterus? It's your digestive tract. And your digestive tract takes up a huge amount of territory in your body. So what we're really looking for there is what are the sources of inflammation that's going on in the system? And more often than not, there's inflammation going on in your digestive tract, whether it's Food sensitivities, which is the number one thing that we have to be ruling out and treating. It could be overgrowth of bacteria, parasites, yeast. It could just be untreated inflammation. So a lot of people say, well, I cut out gluten, but I still don't feel better. Or I cut out dairy and I still don't feel better. Well, all you really did was you just stopped punching holes in the wall, but now you're left with 
a cottage cheese wall that still needs to be plastered and sanded over and repainted to make it look and function properly again. So there's steps that I think people are taking, but they're taking it either in the wrong order or they're taking it without knowing what all the steps are that need to be put in place. Like to properly heal your gut isn't just a, I avoided weed or dairy for a week and didn't notice a difference. You're looking at a minimum of three months for your immune system to actually just completely calm down and start allowing the healing process to happen. And that's in the absence of adding in any nutrients that speed up the process. But as I said before, like a lot of people are either doing it backwards, they're doing like step two and five instead of going one, two, three, four, five. Like there's so many things that I think people are missing. And as soon as we know that there's a hormonal issue, everyone typically wants to go right to estrogen gel, progesterone, hormone replacement therapy, whether it's natural or conventional. And they think, well, that's got to solve my hormonal issues because we think treating like one for the other equals all done. And it's just never the case the way the body works now. For instance, I've seen a lot of patients with undiagnosed celiac disease start treating the celiac and their cycles have never been better, like no pain, no heavy flow, no cramping. And so I always like to say, well, when one house is on fire, all the neighboring houses are going to be on fire. So we have to figure out where the source of that fire was, and then we can start treating the hormones easily. Absolutely. So do you do any type of food intolerance testing? Yeah. So we do blood work. We requisition it out to a lab where they get their blood work done, but I typically will do it through either Rocky Mountain or you can do doctor's data, or I think there's a number of places in the States that do it as well. And that's really like the first step. Now we're going off on a bit of a tangent and maybe we don't want to go down there, but I just need people to understand that getting the lab testing done is not also the end of the line because there's interpretation of the lab work that needs to be taken into consideration. Meaning patients will get this lab testing done. They'll have like 40 or 50 foods that are triggering moderate to severe and they just stop eating all those foods forever and they still may or may not feel better in the end. And that's really not logically what's happening in the body. Usually there's maybe up to five key food groups that are causing the trigger and all the rest of those foods are just a byproduct of the inflammation. So I don't want anybody on this show to run off and get a lab test done and then just avoid all these foods and have no idea what to do. You really need to align yourself with someone who knows how to interpret that lab work, how to heal the gut and how to slowly start reintroducing those foods in because a food sensitivity is not an allergy. It's not something you're born with. It's not something that you're always going to have the exact same reaction with because, again, I'm dairy sensitive. And if I have pizza one day, I'm okay. If I have yogurt the next day, I'm on the toilet, right? Right. As graphic as we can get. So it's never going to be the exact same reaction. And it's based more on the immune system's reaction to the proteins in those foods. It's not an allergy. So it's not a, every time I eat this, I'm going to get the same response. So even with analyzing the lab and treating, there's no given recipe for it. It really does take a lot of back and forth with your practitioner to figure out exactly how to get you back to as close to hundred percent as possible. Yeah, I can totally relate because I did my IgG test probably almost maybe eight or nine months ago. And so as somebody with Hashimoto's and really trying to support autoimmune, yeah, IgG was one of those sort of 
tools in my toolbox. Right. And so most people will think, oh, I'll just eliminate these foods and I'll be fine. And it's no, it's eliminating the foods, but also healing the gut and bringing in other strategies and protocols. So I totally get that. And it's interesting, like on my IgG test, basil showed up, which is so random, Mm -hmm. right? Like some of these random foods show up, but I noticed that when I eat dried basil, Mm -hmm. I react. Yeah. Fresh basil, I'm actually okay. Yep. So can you maybe talk about how like, once we work on healing the gut and removing some of these foods, at some point, we'd want to reintroduce them. Mm -hmm. And like, what would that really look like? Yeah. So I always say, whether it is moderate or severe on the lab test, you treat them the same. Whether it's yellow or red or whether it's listed like in the middle column or the severe column, you treat them as if they're all severe. This is my first step. The reason why I say that is because I've seen consistently labs are interpreting proteins based on their algorithm or based on what they perceive to be what people are reacting to. It does not relay to real life. So I always treat the patient, not the paperwork. So when I first started, I say, if we're going to do this, we're going to avoid 100% all of these foods that you're reacting to because we don't know, is this a legit severe or moderate sensitivity? Maybe this moderate food is actually a severe one for you. And as you've just given a perfect example, people would probably think, well, basil might be on the lower end of the reactivity scale. I couldn't possibly be sensitive to it, but you found out based on, I'm sure, eliminating And when you start reintroducing it back in slowly, oh yeah, like dried basil is a problem. Fresh is not. And so this again comes into interpretation. I can get away with Greek yogurt because it's thicker, it's more fermented. But if I drink or eat any of the really liquidy yogurts, I react immediately. If I have like a whey protein with a little bit of casein in it, like I'm done. But if it's a whey isolate, I'm okay. So there's different variations of how your body responds to these foods. Same with eggs, like egg whites come up constantly. But if you poach an egg white, the proteins are more likely to be present than if you fry it. Because the more heat you provide to the protein, the more it changes its shape and changes its reactivity. So There's all these varying levels of what the food sensitivity could mean. What I typically do is we say, okay, 100%, if it's moderate or severe, we're avoiding it for four to five weeks. No question, no cheating. Then during that time, I typically will do high-dose fish oil, so really maximizing on the EPA of that fish oil, high-dose glutamine powder, because glutamine is that plaster that's going to plaster up those holes and fill them in again. And then we will typically do other things like vitamin D or any other nutrients you feel is necessary. Then when that's been done for four to five weeks, that's when I do probiotics. So I view probiotics as the final coat of paint. So I don't believe that doing probiotics before healing up the holes and plastering everything over and sanding it down makes sense because you're repainting over areas of the wall that have holes in them. So I will say after you've avoided those foods for a minimum of five weeks, four to five weeks, then you can start probiotics and then you can start reintroducing. 
Here's the key thing about the reintroduction though. You can only introduce one food group per week in my practice because a lot of these reactions are delayed. They can be delayed up to four days. So you could eat pizza on Monday. Well, that's a bad example. You could eat a piece of toast on Monday and not feel the ramification of that until Wednesday or Thursday. So if you're introducing foods too quickly, you will never know what that food was that bothered you. And the reason why I said the pizza was a bad example is because now we're putting together too many food groups into one meal. So you have to be very, very, very strategic about how you're reintroducing the food groups, making sure they're isolated, and taking that time to go back through your list or go back through your foods and only do one per week and see how you feel. If there's no reaction by the end of the week, most likely you're okay. You're just going to, again, have to pay attention to form, as we've already discussed, how it was cooked, and how often are you eating it. Because one challenge per week is not the same as eating it every other day or every day in a row. Your body will respond differently. And then what I say is if you got the test done, go back to the results and go through the lowest foods first and work your way up to the highest and then check them off. Yep, that food is fine or nope, that food's not okay. I feel like this is where so many people fall off the wagon. Yeah. Yeah. The reintroduction is like, yeah. oh, now I'm just going to eat my pizza and have whatever my burgers. And totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing to be aware of when you do that is often the immune system, when you've allowed it to heal, will kind of regroup and get very, very good at letting you know that that food does not work for me. So, you know, if you are going to go balls out when you're done, <laughs> you better be prepared for that kind of like whammy in your face <laughs> of how your body responds to it. Totally. I'm currently at the time of this recording on the autoimmune paleo protocol. So lots of foods already that need to be eliminated. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, already eliminating what showed up in the IgG test. But mm -hmm. before I even started the autoimmune paleo, I was already eliminating those IgG foods, like the eggs and the dairy and a lot of like the casein and things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm at a point where I can slowly start to reintroduce those because I've had them out of my diet now for for almost eight weeks. Right. So I had like a little bit of buffalo mozzarella the other day and like that was it. You know, I didn't introduce anything else. That was it. And then I didn't really notice much symptoms. I had a little bit of a breakout, which I do find is what happens mm -hmm. with dairy. So that's, that's kind of what I noticed. But I yeah. feel like, again, if I were to introduce five or six things at a time, yeah. I may not have known that it was specifically the dairy that caused me to break out. You got it. Yeah. And that's a great thing for us to talk about too is when it comes to skin health. So there are how many companies out there that are touting they have the next best thing for clearing up your skin and they have the next best thing for clearing out your pores and all these other stuff. I have yet to see that happen personally. Totally. I know I have patients that have tremendous body skincare routines and they're still having breakouts on a regular basis. And I'm just like you, the only time my skin breaks out is when I have anything with dairy in it. It could be the smallest amount. It could have just been a little bit of like dip or something like that. And almost immediately I do. And the place that you want to be looking for, if it is food related acne, I find it's always jawline 
mm-hmm. and typically around the mouth. Right. If it's hormonal acne, we typically see it more on the chest, the T-zone, cheeks perhaps, but I find food always is in and around the mouth and along the jawline specifically. So if that's happening to any of your listeners, I think that's a really important piece for you to be considering. And again, guys, it's not I can avoid dairy for a couple of weeks and be okay because you also have to give your skin time to bring out whatever it was that was clogging up those pores. What we're looking for is no new acne growths are happening. And that tells you you're on the right track. It's not going to clear up your skin instantaneously because you're getting now into like the dead layers of the skin. But failure to notice any new pimples coming up shows that you're typically doing something right. Awesome. Yeah. Mine actually did show up on like my skin and like a little bit around almost my eyebrows, like just a little bit, but Mm -hmm. mostly around, around my chin. Yeah. That was the Buffalo mozzarella, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is so good. So speaking of skin, I know you work with a lot of people in your practice that have skin issues or skin conditions. And I know in my practice, I have a lot of women who are really obsessed with topical creams and lotions and potions or doing things like microdermabrasion treatments. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on those kind of treatments? Yeah. So when I first started practice, I was all over like the high dose vitamin A, the high dose vitamin D, doing all the internal work. But now that I've continued on in practice, I'm seeing like, yes, the internal work does help. But as I mentioned earlier, like it's not helping to clear out what's existing already on the skin. So I just came back from an event in California and there was a person there who her whole business is around teaching people at spas and skincare consultants about how to properly manage skin. And she made a really excellent point that I didn't really clue in, but it was just one of those things where that light bulb finally clicks off. And she said, most of the skin cancers that actually happen to someone are at the dead skin layer right at the top surface of your skin. And that makes a whole lot of sense to me because every single day your body is trying to shed layers of skin. If you have not been doing any exfoliation, microdermabrasion, anything to kind of break up that layer on your face, then everything is just getting clogged and clogged and clogged. And all of those dead, malnourished, misshapen cells could actually start to lend to worse things like skin cancers and things like that. Right now, I don't think that's a topic we need to go down, but the premise is still there, right? Like you can't treat the topical part of the skin without actually removing a lot of those layers that have been existing there for a long time, almost like a callus on your hand, right? Like you're never going to get soft hands again until you get that callus off. So I firmly believe that doing gentle exfoliation two to three times a week, like just in the shower, that's what I do with something that has kind of like a hard ball or a hard scrubbing component to it. Like I know I've used Burt's Bees exfoliating cream and it works great, but you can even make your own kind of facial sea salt scrub. I'm sure you have a few products in your line, Samantha, that people could look into, but doing that two to three times a week, I think in the shower is a really great idea. And I do recommend getting into more of that deep tissue layer with, there's a new therapy called wet microdermabrasion where they're re-nourishing as well as removing the cells and cleaning up the pores at the same time. And doing that maybe once every two to three months would be a great, great thing just to lift and rejuvenate that layer off the skin. 
there's other topical things that you can absolutely do. I believe castor oil is a wonderful, very, very inexpensive therapy topically where you can just do spot treatments. But please remember what castor oil is doing is it's (laughs) irritating the skin. It's bringing fresh blood flow to that area wherever you put the oil. So the oil is essentially pulling everything out of those pores and bringing it up to the surface. So be prepared for a worsening effect of the skin for the first week or two as the castor oil is pulling all of that yucky stuff out. And then you'll be left with a beautiful layer of healthy skin again. But I find with acne, with hormones, unfortunately for us to get to that place that we want to with our skin, we often have to go through a bit of like that hellish time where we don't even want to leave our house (laughs) to get there. But if you can get through that for the first couple of weeks, then the rest of your life, you're golden, right? Like I, as an adult, have always struggled with adult acne as adolescent and as a young early 20s, I always, always had pimples. It was just something that was in my genetic lineage. That was just what I was given. But it's amazing how now that I know what to look for and how to treat my body, it's just not an issue anymore. And obviously, there's a really big connection here between the skin and the gut. Yes. Gut health. Yes. Totally. And do you notice with IgG testing and eliminating some of those foods that it plays a role with skin health as well? Yeah. And it's never something we're always going after. Like I don't typically say, oh, you have acne, let's do an IgG test. But as a positive side effect to these patients that are getting it done more with digestive concerns, they're like, yeah, my skin is feeling softer. My skin is feeling more clear. I have more of a glow to my skin now. Now let's also talk about some other things here too. I mean, water and hydration is a huge piece to all of this as well. So you can do all the gut healing that you want to. You can take all the serums and all the nutrients that you want to. But if we're bringing things right back to the very, very foundational piece of your body, you have to be hydrating your skin as well. Like a thought that just popped into my head, another beautiful product that I've used with my older age population. So people that are already going through perimenopause or having some joint issues, ligament issues, collagen, which I've used more for the joint issues, rheumatoid and things like that, has also provided my patients with a beautiful side effect of nice, healthy looking skin. And that makes sense, right? Because it's the collagen that keeps our skin elastic and plump looking and beautiful. But again, you need to add the water piece to that too, to keep it looking really supple. Absolutely. Yes. Collagen. I love it. Oh my God. Probably most of the people listening in are familiar with collagen, are using collagen in some way. I mean, you can't go to the health food store without seeing collagen everywhere now on the shelves. All right. Awesome. So just going back to hormonal imbalances. So you mentioned estrogen dominance and PMS and PMDD. And so what are sort of the maybe nutritional protocols that you might implement for some Mm -hmm. of these women? Yeah. You know, I work very energetically a lot with hormones. And the reason why is because with using homeopathics, so homeopathics are basically like just the energy of the herb that's left over. There's not a physical component there. You can definitely do this with herbs, but I like homeopathics because they're a little bit more gentle and they allow me to dose higher depending on where the patient is. With herbs, you have to be very careful about dosing and also, of course, any other medications or anything else that somebody might be taking. I like to use more of the natural route. Same thing as if you were to do acupuncture, if we want to put it into energy versus energy. So acupuncture is an energetic therapy. 
the delivery to bring on the energy is the needles. Here we're using drops or pellets to provide a hormonal balancing effect. Still using the same herbs that you would, but just more the energetic part of it. So with regards to that, a lot of the herbs or homeopathics I like would be the wild yam for progesterone, the black currant bud I really like as an adrenal tonic. Rhodiola is also a nice adrenal tonic. What are the simisifuga? So black cohosh is also great. And I know we think about this more with menopausal patients, but we can also use it for just hormone balancing in general. Vitex, Agnes Castus, which is chase tree berry, is a beautiful sort of overall woman balancer. I don't recommend using just one herb on its own. They do work really, really nicely as a combination therapy. So that's typically where I like to start. Of course, making sure that the basics are taken care of too, right? Like, are you taking in enough vitamin C? Do you have great iron and B12 stores? Because iron and B12 are all about blood circulation. So if blood circulation isn't as ideal as we want it to be, then oxygen isn't going to be delivered to the skin and nutrients aren't going to be delivered to the skin. So all those type of things. And then probably the last thing that I would recommend on top of like the regular things we've talked about, a multivitamin, a fish oil, water, things like that would be like a really great antioxidant blend, whether that's liquid or powder form. I like it to be more of like a berry and greens blend, not just one or the other. But if you had to choose one, I really do strongly recommend the ones that have nettle, burdock, dandelion, alfalfa, like those really nourishing herbs in them. Burdock specifically is even a skin cleanser and a blood cleanser. So we've used burdock tea, burdock root tea, even just for acne and you can just create it, like steep it for a couple of hours, maybe even overnight and then drink it throughout the day. And it can also help to enhance skin cleansing and detoxification, all those other things. So, you know, there's no like recipe list that I can give anybody because it's so individualized. And what we've really been harping on today for the most part is don't even worry about those hormonal herbs at the first stage. It's more the gut healing and taking the time to appropriately identify the foods, appropriately remove them without any cheating and allowing that gut to heal with nutrients that are more for gut healing. And every single time I've seen the hormones come back into balance naturally that way. But if we need a little bit more support, I would definitely choose products with those herbs in them. I think you've also used the Pasco line. There's a really beautiful yes. product from Pasco that I like to use for hormone balancing and things like that. Yeah. As you were going through and listing off everything, that product came to mind. Yeah. So let's maybe focus on what we can do in our everyday life mm -hmm. that's really going to create this healthy foundation for healthy hormones. So water obviously being one of those. Yeah. What else would you add to that? 100% cut out any forms of dairy. 100%. I've seen it consistently for like the deep cystic acne, for the blackheads, again, along the jawline around the mouth, just cut it out. Don't bother with the testing. Just get it all out of you. And a lot of people don't understand what dairy encompasses, right? They immediately think, well, I don't drink milk. Unfortunately, right. it doesn't stop there. It's mm -hmm. any cream sauces. It's any dips. It's ranch dressing. It's any sort of white-based salad dressing, any potato soups or cream soups. It's butter it's yogurt, it's cheese, it's all of those things. And I'm sure people are groaning right now listening to me <laughs> list it all off. 
but that all has to go for a minimum, minimum of four to five weeks. And again, we're not looking for skin clearing. We're looking for no new growth or no new acne coming up on the skin. So that would be essential. I do think that doing a healthy skin routine at least once a day. So I know that a lot of skin products and a lot of skin lines will say you should be cleaning your face morning and night. I sometimes don't abide by that. I like my skin to create natural oils sometimes. So I will typically wash my face once a day. But as I said, two to three times do exfoliation in the shower really easy. What would be some other big things? Just getting in the basic nutrients is also massive. So I'm a huge proponent of multivitamin, fish oil, and greens. If you take no other supplements, just take those. And really, the only other thing that I'd probably say is get good sleep. Like you'd be surprised how much of an impact it has on everything if you're sleeping properly, making sure you're going to bed no later than 1030, trying to wake up at a decent time as well, like maybe 6 to 7 a.m., too many people are going to bed way, way too late and they're getting up way too early. They're completely sleep deprived. When they do sleep, they're not sleeping deep enough. That is when your body is healing. That is when your body is detoxifying. You have to make sure that you're prioritizing sleep, not only for skin, but just to be able to make it through the day. Like for me, I have two toddlers. I run a business. I'm a wife. I'm a homeowner. Like that alone is busy. I couldn't imagine being sleep deprived on top of it. So please try to focus on like that. You don't need to stay up until midnight most nights. I can promise you. And usually at the end of the night, my husband just wants to watch TV. And I'm like, well, I can watch these shows during the day online if I really wanted to. I'm not doing anything valuable with my time. I might as well just go to sleep, you know? So just those little things, which I'm sure people, I can almost hear them say like, well, I have to stay up late or I never have time or blah, blah, blah. This is how it is. Like it's whatever you want to prioritize. So if you're prioritizing your skin right now, then I would strongly recommend you follow what we've talked about today. If it's not possible, then please understand that the results aren't going to be as great as you want them to be. Like it just is what it is. But I think those lifestyle things that we've just gone over are pretty easy to implement, but you do have to be committed to doing them. Oh man, I can tell you with the sleep, that has just been night and day for me. I had to really, really focus and prioritize my sleep over this past year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my background, well, back in the day came mm-hmm. from bartending and really, right. really late nights. So I was always a night owl. And so that kind of just carried on for years and years and totally. years. Totally. But especially with Hashimoto's and with thyroid health, my sleep was really starting to be affected. And so I had to make a very clear sort of routine and schedule around my sleep. So mm-hmm. I don't go to bed at 10.30, but I do go to bed at 11. And I used to literally wake up at nine o'clock and now I don't. I'm up around maybe 7.30. But yeah, it really had to be a massive shift. And I think a lot of people listening feel like, well, I've done everything I can for my sleep and nothing works. And it's like, well, how long did you actually commit? Because I can tell you, it literally took me nine plus months to finally settle into really good quality sleep. It was really a process. Yes. 
I just two weeks ago had a new patient come in and that's all that she wanted was to fight her insomnia. And every time I told her, this is what we need to do, she would just fight me with excuses. Well, I go out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, I've already tried that. I'm like, look, exactly what you just said, Samantha, natural remedies and natural ways of treating the body are not drugs, guys. It does not work instantly like a drug. You have to just come to terms with that. Natural remedies take a longer time, but when they set in, they set in deep roots and you're golden. You cannot treat it as a one-time fix. I'll take melatonin every once in a while when I'm struggling sleeping. No, melatonin is a hormone. You have to take it every single day at the exact same time, just like anything else, and give your body time to recreate that habit, right? So I think that's kind of not a miscommunication, but I think that's unfortunate way of thinking when it comes to natural ways of doing things is people want to have the fast results that you get with drugs and it just doesn't happen. It just does not happen and it will not happen. But if you commit to it, I promise you the results that you get are going to far outweigh what you can get from any pharmaceutical medication. Absolutely. I can definitely speak to that for sure. And I have quite the cocktail supplements that I take at night, right at like 10, 15, and I never miss them. And it's funny because the supplements that I take during the day, like for my thyroid and adrenal and whatnot, some days I'm skipping those, but the nighttime ones, like I will never, 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 never miss them. And it's just because they really have helped with my routine Mm -hmm. and, and obviously sleep. So how often do you see stress related to a lot of these hormonal conditions, all these women experience PMS or PMDD or thyroid health. Yeah. So I feel like as soon as you say it, even in my mind, the first thing that popped into my mind was negative. It has to be negative. It has to be something that we hate. It has to be, you know, something that we can't handle. That isn't the case, guys. When we use the term stress, which just is the word, it basically should be just busyness. Like when have you seen busyness be an issue for hormones. And I can tell you 100% of the time it contributes. So what I mean by busyness is, again, as I said, I'm incredibly busy throughout the week, balancing family and entrepreneurship and my practice and everything else. None of it do I deter or despise or feel resentful of. But I will tell you that because it is still busyness, because I'm still thinking about things all the time and doing things all the time, it will 100% impact everything else. Like I just lose it on my kids if I don't take my adrenal stuff and for no other reason than I'm just not nourishing my body. So this is why I said my basic top three is always a multi, a fish oil, and a greens because you cannot keep driving your car 400 miles an hour to and from wherever it is that you're going without fueling up the tank. You just can't. And when your body is starting to show you these signs and symptoms like fatigue, brain fog, skin changes, joint issues, I promise you one of the big factors that you are not taking into consideration is fueling up the tank, just giving your body the basic nutrients that it needs. And really the pillar of all of your hormones is balancing on your adrenal glands, which are your stress glands, your busy glands. And if you're not nourishing those, they will not be able to hold up anything. So even from like a reproductive standpoint, which is your sex hormones, which is what we're talking about today, 
the biological reason why your body will not make babies is often because you are so stressed out that the body thinks it's in a threat zone the whole time. So it's going to start to turn off those sex hormones and start to shut down your thyroid and all these other things. Like your adrenals have three checkpoints that it can turn off your thyroid in three different ways and make it slow down because of how busy you are and because you're not listening. So we do need to be taking into consideration the busyness of our life, but it doesn't mean we have adrenal fatigue or adrenal insufficiency or we're diagnosed with something like that. But I can promise every single person that's listening, especially if you are a woman, unfortunately, guys, this is what it is. Our brains don't compartmentalize very well. <laughs> we don't have the natural ability to just focus on one task at a time like men do. I wish that we did. We don't. So our brains are constantly firing logical, emotional, spiritual, personal, blah, 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 all over the place. So we're using up our resources at a much faster rate. So you have to have to be nourishing your body. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Your body just doesn't know the difference between an emotional or physical stressor and a to-do list that has 25 different things on it. And that was me. It was the busy list of 25 different things to do in a day. And then it started to affect my sleep and my fatigue and my brain yeah. fog. That's exactly how it started. And I always say, if you have a low-functioning thyroid, you have high-functioning adrenals. And that was me. Yeah. And so here's the thing, and I can hear people saying this too. Well, I can't quit my job. I can't get rid of my kids. I can't leave this relationship that's causing me stress. And that's not what we're talking about here necessarily. We're just saying acknowledge how busy or stressed out your lifestyle is and nourish accordingly. If you are doing okay, then nourish moderately. If you are a stress bag, then you should be nourishing your body three times that. You know, like you have to be meeting your body where it's at. Absolutely. I love that point. That's really great. So you are a busy mom and an entrepreneur and you wear many, many hats. So I'm curious, what are the essentials that you need in your everyday to thrive outside of coffee? <laughs> right. Which I embrace one black coffee a day, black. It should be black. I'm really trying to get better at taking my vitamins. So I have a little package that has a greens and high profile multivitamin, a fish oil and a multi-mineral in there. I prioritize doing that. I'm really, really trying to bring water with me everywhere and drink it everywhere I go and try to get two liters. Cause like guys, I'm a work in progress too, right? I would be lying to you if I said I did anything perfectly. Going to the gym is like the biggest chore and mind game of my entire life. So I try to get there at least <laughs> twice a week, but I am really good at exfoliating my skin. I am really good at like sleep is the number one thing that I will never sacrifice on. Even if I have something that's due or a deadline, that's like the next day, I'll just wake up early and do it as opposed to stay up late. So sleep has probably been my saving grace. And some days, and I'm not afraid to say this, I will be in bed by 8.30 and absolutely like the happiest person ever. <laughs> like I love it. The earlier, the better you. for me. And I just love it. So those are kind of the big things for me because it's chaos in the morning when I get up because it's like get the two girls dressed, get myself ready to go to work, get everybody out in like record time every single day. It's almost like, how can I do this faster? And, you know, because you're dealing with humans, like many humans that also have opinions, right? So <laughs> the sleep is really like probably the biggest thing that I can say I will not waver on. And then I'm trying to get better at doing everything else. Awesome. Well, I admire you. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I think about, oh my God, how would it be if I had kids in the picture? Like, 
I can barely even manage all the things on my plate now. And it's just like, imagine having little humans running around. Just priorities change, really. That's really what it comes down to. Even when I got pregnant for the first time, I was like, there's no way. There's no way that I can do this. And it's amazing how they all blend. It would be no different than if you were to take on a new project like a podcast. (laughs) Right. Right. It just comes in somehow. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your insights and advice today. I would love it if you can share with our audience where they can find you and hang out with you. I'm sure you're somewhere on social media hanging out. Yeah. So I have the Maxim Movement Facebook page, which you can absolutely join. But what I wanted to give away to everybody who's listening is a free copy of the book that I wrote, Maximized Health. And I'm sure you'll provide the link somewhere in the show notes. But I would really like everybody to have a free downloadable version of that. It's a full book, so it's not an ebook, and it goes through my step by step process that I use with all of my patients. And when you download that, then you would also, of course, have access to me. I have a private Facebook group that I post in. So anything like that, but I'm always approachable. If there are any questions that come up from this podcast, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. The website is themaximmovement.com. Awesome. And her book is wonderful, guys. Everything that we spoke about today with digestion and hormones, she really ties it all in there and it's all interconnected and how you can supplement and thrive and how to focus on your sleep and manage your stress. It's all there. So you get the full book. That's awesome. It's a full PDF of your book. Amazing. All right. So thank you. Any last minute suggestions, tips that you would love our audience to implement today that can better their health and hormones? The only thing, and again, this is speaking mostly to the women that are listening, is practice unwavering selfishness in your life. Don't allow the guilt to creep in and take over like I'm sure that it is. You will never be the perfect mom. You will never be the perfect wife. You will never be the perfect employee or business owner. And I think too often we give up too much of ourselves and we don't prioritize our needs. And this can really start to wear you down very, very, very quickly. And even with the thyroid, that is over your communication chakra. So that's right on the throat, right? And a lot of women feel suppressed and they feel that they can't speak their mind and they can't be blunt and they can't be assertive or bitchy or all these other things. They can't ask for what they really want. And I would just like everybody to start practicing that in their daily life of learning to say no, learning to ask for an extra 15 minutes in the shower where nobody can bother you, learning to say, I'm just going to go to bed now. Can you at least make sure that the kids are still asleep after I'm asleep? Or I'm going to start waking up an hour earlier just so I can have some quiet time to myself. Learn to just be unwaveringly selfish. And it doesn't make you awful. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad anything. It's just you sticking up for what you need. And I just find that women don't do that nearly enough. And you just really, really need to start practicing that. Amazing. That is such an important message that women need to hear Mm -hmm. and really need to start getting into action with and slowly but surely becoming more bold, becoming more powerful it's a process, but thank totally. you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, no thank problem. you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. All right. We will chat soon. This is not the first interview. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye.
Okay, ladies, I hope you enjoyed today's guest expert interview with Dr. Andrea Maxim. Head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash podcast to access today's show notes and the link to download Dr. Andrea Maxim's free maximized health book. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I really hope that you're going to implement the tips and the strategies that we shared on today's podcast, optimizing your digestion, managing your stress, and getting to bed before 10.30. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes, please do so so you don't miss out on an episode and definitely leave us a review so I know how you're liking the podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll chat next time.